to the Web 2.0 Show with your hosts, Josh Owens and Chris Saylor. We're a show about the new web, the latest thoughts and technology behind internet development and content delivery. Welcome to episode 22. Later on, we'll be interviewing Bram Cohen from BitTorrent. Uh, Chris was unable to make it for that interview, but uh, I sat down with him and we, we had a chat about uh, some of the stuff they're working on, and uh, it, was, it was very cool. Uh, but for now, we wanted to go through some of the backlog of emails that we had received and some of the current news that uh, we've been seeing. So I guess with that, fire away, Chris. All right. Um, let's see. The first thing I want to talk about is uh, uh, we mentioned on the last podcast uh, what what do you guys use to to collaborate, and um, a few of you sent in links. Uh, Fred Hahn um, sent in the link to view.com, v-y-e-w dot com. Um, we actually haven't tried it out yet. But it is a, uh, let me just read a little blurb here on the website. It's a browser-based conferencing and always-on collaboration platform that provides instant visual communication without the need for client downloads or installations. This actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one that's not in here, we didn't, we didn't put it in the, uh, the feed here, but Timothy Johnson, the, uh, the guy that's doing the Flash development for Transponder, he... Um, he mentioned that he's used VNC before to do remote collaboration, remote visual collaboration. Um, he's also used it to do uh, extreme pair programming over the net where they'll have two computers and they'll open one to the other developer's machine and then they have their machine and then it'll be the same way on the other end. How many so users? you're just kind of watching as the VNC happens. How many users can VNC support? I don't know. I've, I've never tried to have two users connect to one machine. I know you can do a one-to-one, which, I mean, for us would be a, a big gain. Uh, I'm sure you can do two-to-one. I don't know. We'll have to check that out. Now, um, well, we've actually been using, um, we're working with the, the guys from Image202 on a couple projects, and we've been collaborating with uh, Macromedia Breeze. And, uh, yeah, but that's really pricey, though. That's the problem with that one. Yeah, but they're paying for it, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, it's actually not bad. It actually runs inside of a browser, which, if your resolutions are different, I, I have to like uh, I have to scroll around his screen because he has a higher resolution, and uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that can kind of be a pain. But you know, I just. Uh, McDo. Yeah, I think that would be the case with VNC too, though. But there's a couple more links, um, and I've actually saw this one a long time ago, but it's the Imagination Cubed from GE. It's just a real simple write board that you can share with people. If you just need a quick and dirty write board to maybe sketch out some layouts or, or whatnot, um, this is actually a, a pretty interesting tool. Yeah, and actually uh, Kevin tested it to see if maybe he could use a Wacom tablet with it. Didn't work so hot with Flash. <laughs> but that would have been really, really cool. So you can't tell the Wacom tablet to act as a mouse? I think it was, but he said it was it was buggy because the Flash like was 
bogging down his machine when he was trying to use it at the same time. Oh, that sucks, because that'd be really cool. Yeah. And then this, uh, this last one was actually uh, the Groove Virtual Office. That was uh, the project that Ray Ozzy was working on, Groove Networks, when they uh, bought his company and then uh, promoted him to, to uh, Bill's position now. But uh, yeah, Groove Office looks cool, but I, I do believe that one's Microsoft only. Yeah, we're no longer have anything to do with Microsoft now. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. C'est la vie, Windows. So, it doesn't help very much. Um, all right. I guess that about wraps it up for collaboration. Yeah. Now, uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, I think you marked this in our, our shared delicious account. Oh, yeah. I guess we can mention that. Well, we've actually got a delicious feed now. We'll probably add it to the website. But if you go to delicious slash web 20 show as the username, uh, you can see um, links and bookmarks that we're going to use for upcoming episodes. So, And we've tagged and, them by uh, topic and by episode. So, yeah. Actually, it's kind of a nice workflow. Yeah, it's working out nice. Um, we uh, borrowed that from Twit. <laughs> Shh, uh, nothing's ever new. Yeah. Another link actually we found interesting um, that was sent to us from the um, the VP Mark Giuliano of TalkShow.com, and um, one of the things we do on our podcast is interview people, and we're currently we use Skype, and this is actually a a, a, um, a voice discussion group. Now I we actually, again we haven't actually used this yet. Uh, we have so very little time <laughs> to actually use these tools. <laughs> <laughs> But um, this one it might be uh, worth actually trying out and seeing if it works for how well it works for um, uh, podcasting multiple people. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. It depends on the uh, the codecs that they use because I, I I tell you what, Skype has some of the nicest codecs around. I mean, no one no one seems to be able to touch that. We've used iChat audio before. It's just it's not as crisp and clear as Skype seems to be. Now, if this actually works. You can have up to 25 talkers. Talkers is what they call them. <laughs> um, and which is actually be really nice for some of the larger, because Skype pe- um, peters out around, what, four or five? Mm, I think it tops out at five total, including the person hosting it. So we could only ever have three other people on with us at a time. Of course, at that point, I, I would be worried anyway, because I know we had... Um, some bandwidth issues when we had both Leo Laporte and um, Amber MacArthur on with Chris and I. Um, we started having some choking issues where people were just randomly cutting out. Which didn't matter anyway since the uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> entire audio was bad. Mac, yeah, since the Mac Mini can't handle two MP3 streams. We saw an announcement from um, Citizen Agency, Tara Hunt. I'm sorry, Tara Hunt and Chris Messina's company uh, that they formed since they both left their their regular startup jobs. That's weird. You leave a startup job to start a startup. Anyway, they um, they brought on Dot Ben Ben Metcalf as their uh, CTO. So that that looks promising. I'd be curious to see what comes out of that. I know they're working with. Um, Mark, I believe it's Mark Cantor on uh, People Aggregator right now. So, here was the the other 
piece of interesting news that seemed to cause a lot of stink was the the paperpost.com. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was quite funny. Apparently, you sign up, and they'll ping you, and they'll pay you to actually post about something that they want in a favorable light. So, I don't... TechCrunch had a nice little headline. Paper Post offers to sell your soul. (laughs) (laughs) I guess as a blogger, I don't know. That's just... You you tend to think people are authentic when they blog. I mean, there's this this bit of... kind of the point of it. It's real people talking about, you know, their real feelings and on real topics. Right. Now you've got a company offering to pay people to post kind of false stuff, in my opinion. Well, that'll give all the uh, uh, that'll give all the blog spammers some place to actually, uh, you know, apply their trade, make money. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll they'll stop copying feeds. Maybe they'll just start putting out wholesale ads on their blogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the scoop on this whole uh, Amanda Congdon thing? Oh, oof, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard to sort it all out. Rocket Boom saying she's leaving, she's going to L.A., and, you know, we can't do the production from there. Whereas Amanda doesn't actually come out and say it, but she's saying that uh, she's been unboomed and that uh, Andrew doesn't want to be her partner anymore. He owns more of the company, therefore she's just out. Um but from what I'm hearing, she's moving to L.A., and they can't do production from L.A., so I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a two sides of the story here. It doesn't look, I mean, it doesn't look like they're getting particularly nasty with each other. It's just, it's hard to tell which is the truth. Well, I'm sure here. feelings were hurt, so, and that never makes for oh, I'm sure. <laughs> happy times. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh. Jason Calacanis, I found this interesting last night. He followed up with a post offering her a job right on his blog. Is this the first job offer via a blog? (laughs) I can't imagine that it is. It's funny. It's probably the most famous. Yeah, but uh, it's an interesting read. Um, He he talks about, you know, offering her whatever she needs. She get a full travel budget, and she get to be on the front of netscape.com every day yeah that big uh dig clone <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure jason will ping me after you hear this <laughs> no I, I shouldn't say they're a dick clone but it it is interesting to see because they they do mix in editors and have this whole editorial box up top where you can uh where you can see what the editors think are more important they bubble that up so it's actually a slash dot plus dig merge yeah kind of a little bit so and then you know I thought it was kind of funny I was listening to Twit the other day and uh, they were talking about Dig versus uh, Net the new Netscape and um, gosh I think it was John C. Dvorak piped up when Kevin Rose was on there and he's like hey Kevin can is there something you can do as far as the look and feel and maybe file a lawsuit against Netscape? Like, 
seriously, do you guys always have discussions on frivolous lawsuits and <laughs> how goofy they are and, you know, how creative suing Apple and Apple suing creative and it's just getting messy. And, and that's the first thing they write you. are asking Kevin if, yeah, I know, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Come on, guys. You guys bash it so much and then instantly, you know, if Kevin's running into a little bit of trouble, you know what, in this day and age, you, your product should speak for itself. Which is pretty much what Kevin said. It, yeah. Right, and if people copy, people are going to see it as a copy. It's that simple. And I'm not saying that Netscape's a copy, per se. I have not used <laughs> Netscape to actually say so. There's one other thing that we wanted to get to. We found this service. We, we got an email from the guys over at Markaboo. They uh, created an, a social bookmarking site. It's been done. Not very new. But this one does have a slightly different take on it. Not only can you bookmark and tag websites, you can also bookmark and tag files. Um, I believe they have some kind of RSS feed creation. Um, you could, I think you can even subscribe to it and get enclosures from the files that you uh, bookmark. So it's definitely cool stuff. Um, it was done in Rails, and I was actually in the, the Rails IRC chat room talking to one of the developers, and we were discussing, I guess they, he wanted them to open source the code um, and see if maybe they could get some other people to work on it and grow the idea because they thought it was great. And the people he was working for were kind of resistant to it at first. And we were talking, and I provided him you know, all kinds of arguments and ammunition to go back to his bosses with. And one of the big ones is, your idea is not special. <laughs> As David Heinemeyer Hansen says, you are not a snowflake. <laughs> that is the best quote ever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're not, I mean, your idea isn't new. You might have a slightly different take on it. A slight difference between what someone else is doing. But social bookmarking in and of itself isn't that different. I mean, you know, we've got at least a dozen sites out there doing it, if not more. So what it comes down to is in how you execute your idea. If you have a great idea, it, it's not worth anything if you don't build a product from it. And build it quickly before uh, someone else does. Right. Or build it better if there's already other products. Well, I mean, we'll take for instance. It's we had we had actually started talking about um, building a calendar, um, like way before any of the any of the current Web 2.0 calendars came out. Um, I'd had that, right. that 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 was an itch I, that I wanted to scratch for a long time, and um, and we just kind of we kind of well we missed the boat on it. And then it was like later that year, there were tons of calendar. Yeah, there were tons of calendars out later that year. If we had been able to execute that within three to four months, um, we'd have been at, at the very yeah, beginning of it. We all. would have probably sold it to somebody, and we can't be right. out on the beach right now. But nope, <laughs> we missed the opportunity. <laughs> Sell out. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. Is like we had a great idea. We set up a wiki. We've got all these features in there. Then we got a logo done. We got the domain name. And that's about yeah, as far as And then we got more. sidetracked with this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I think we got to like a 0.1 alpha where you could like add a calendar entry. And that was about <laughs> as far as we got. At that point, podcasting started to sound a little more interesting than a calendar. <laughs> yeah. Although not yeah, quite really as lucrative. Yeah, never know. But definitely more fun. Yeah, so you're not a snowflake. Don't pretend to be. Don't ask us to sign an NDA. <laughs> Your idea is not that special. And I promise we're not going to steal it. <laughs> We've got enough stuff yeah, to work on. I guess with that, we will get on with the interview with Bram Cohen. And I'm out. Catch you guys later. We have Bram Cohen with us. Bram, mm-hmm. you uh, you work with, well, I guess you invented BitTorrent. Uh, tell yep. us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and uh, I guess how you got started with BitTorrent. Uh, I'm Bram. Uh, I live in the Bay Area. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have three kids. Um, <laughs> I uh, Let's see. I got started working on BitTorrent in 2001 uh, when the last startup that I worked at went uh, kerplunk. Um or, no, Kerplunk is the kill file noise. It, it made some other noise, the noise that startups make when they cease to function. Squeal. Um, uh, yeah, something. I, I don't know what it is. Splat, maybe. I think it was splat is the correct noise. <laughs> so it went splat. And uh, I, I kind of wanted to do my own project, so I had a few different ideas, and I decided to uh, do something with file distribution because I had some interesting ideas about how to do file distribution, and I decided to work on that. So that was the start of BitTorrent. It's kind of an understatement, different ideas. (laughs) BitTorrent is probably one of the most popular. Actually, I guess that you guys probably have numbers. It is the most popular file distribution protocol, Uh, isn't it? Yeah, it it? is. Yeah. Uh, I guess, where, where did you get this idea for BitTorrent? Where did it, I mean... Were you just frustrated with the P2P systems that were out there? or It was mostly based on this idea, which was there's plenty of upload capacity out there, which is kind of a well-duh. Everyone has all these net connections, and they have all this upload capacity, and they're not using it. Right. So how do we utilize it? So there's this fairly trivial calculation of, hey, if we started utilizing it, that's a lot of bandwidth. So the question is, how do you utilize it? Now, the problem here is a logistical one. These are untrusted connections, if you wish to use it peer-to-peer. These are untrusted peers with unknown transfer rates, uh, which tend to go away and never come back again. So this is, this is, these are very poor quality resources. So the question is, how do you take these very poor quality resources and utilize them effectively? And that was the really core problem there, not a problem of efficiency, uh, not a problem of discovery, but really a problem of reliability. And I decided to uh, tackle the problem very head-on by rather specifically making it so that everybody jumps on the same... so that's designed so that everybody can jump on downloading the same thing at once, which is what, generally speaking, uh, people were trying to avoid at the time, because that's where all the hard problems are, but I figured it should be possible to solve all those problems because they're just logistical and reliability problems, um, not 
not actual bandwidth problems. P2P has always been kind of, you know, sharing everyone's upload bandwidth. Um, and I think it's tried to solve the problem that you were just talking about, that it seems that BitTorrent has been so much more successful at solving. Why do you think your implementation was so much more popular than, say, you know, Kazaa or uh, one of the more defunct P2P protocols now? Well, in terms of that core problem of, hey, have everyone download something and upload before they're done downloading, um, uh, Kazaa, I, I don't know if it does now, but for a long time had real, really no implementation of that at all. And Edonkey had some kind of an implementation uh, of the details of which I don't know, but I believe it was not capable of handling the same kind of immediate mass ramp-up going on. And basically, the really core problem, which is, hey, pump out a whole lot of data to a whole lot of people, is on a purely technical, logistical level, something that the kind of wares search tools <laughs> didn't really tackle at all. So they didn't have a good solution for it. Where right. I, I built something which was not a wares search tool, but was simply a pump out lots of data to lots of people tool. Right, and then some of the more legitimate users actually latched onto it and started using it for like Linux distribution stuff like that. Yeah, well, if you want to publish something using BitTorrent, if you want to publish something and it's very large and you can't foot lots of bandwidth bills yourself using BitTorrent, it's a real no-brainer. Right. Do you guys find it's difficult to deal with kind of the negative PR that's associated with BitTorrent now with the the sharing of movies and stuff along those lines? Uh, I think we've been getting a lot of good PR lately. Uh, We're doing uh, major studio deals. We announced one uh, with Warner yeah. just recently. And uh, really, the fact that uh, that we've created this uh, completely legitimate tool that's very generally useful for everyone and is, not, uh, and is not something that's designed just for doing wares uh, means that uh, lots of people are willing to deal with us as a legitimate content partner. Or, a, excuse me, a legitimate technology partner. Right. Now, the partnership with Warner Brothers, you guys are actually going to use something like the BitTorrent protocol, but it's actually going to be a separate application, correct? Uh, like no, DRM we're going to use a uh, BitTorrent protocol. Uh, DRM, uh, a lot of content partners uh, that we deal with insist on having some kind of DRM. Uh and uh, th- thankfully, modern DRM systems are file-based, so you can use whatever actual transfer mechanism for the bits that you want end-to-end, including BitTorrent. Because having end-to-end DRM systems that have to control the whole thing was just too ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, I've, I've never been a fan of DRM because no matter what, there's always going to be a way to get it to a physical media, and then you can get it right back to another digital form from there. So I don't... <laughs> DRM always gets cracked. It's one of those funny things. Yeah, well, there, there are two different things going on. There's, like, technologically trying to keep people from doing something, and then there's... Um, uh, and then there's being, there being rules against people doing it, and really the important things uh, are the rules. <laughs> right. What's the most interesting use you've seen of BitTorrent so far? Well... 
there don't tend to be particularly distinctive uses of BitTorrent. BitTorrent fundamentally takes a file and pumps it out to lots of people. <laughs> so I, I haven't. So I, people use I it guess, for um, kinds of files, but. Have you seen any kind of uh, transparent implementations that it's like, oh, wow, that's using BitTorrent, and I didn't even realize it? Um, not really. No. Uh, I, I know it's been used um, in IT shops sometimes. Uh, there will be... Um, Sysadmins frequently have this problem. They've, they've got thousands and thousands of machines, and they need to pump out gigabytes of data to all of them. So they write some scripts which actually use BitTorrent under the hood and just chung, send everything around. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. I would have never even have thought of that. <laughs> and yet I do that kind of work every day. <laughs> um I don't. Were you were you guys involved at all? I mean, did did Blizzard talk to you when they were adding BitTorrent to their patch uh, distribution? They spoke system? to me about that. Yeah. And did they? I mean, did they have to do anything custom with it, or did they just use BitTorrent the way? Uh, they they did a little bit of custom stuff with it, uh, okay. but basically just using BitTorrent. Yeah, and I, you know, I gotta say, I, I used to play WoW. I think. Uh, the general consensus is that it, it doesn't work as well because they just allow you to click finish as soon as you're done downloading and it doesn't share the, you know, it doesn't seed back. There's a lot of misinformation about what causes particular transfer rates in BitTorrent to happen. Right. Um, in, in general, uh, there are a few different states the network can be in. There, there's this fundamental tautology behind everything that happens with transfer rates, which is for every bit downloaded, someone has to have uploaded it. Right. So there are times when um, when there are plenty of people uploading, so anyone who joins will be able to download very fast. However, typically, when a file first becomes available... Excuse me. Uh, when a file first becomes available... Um, the original seeds are um, very small relative to the uh, total amount of uh, distribution uh, compared to the total number of people who would like to download. So almost everyone who's uploading is also downloading at the same time. So the aggregate upload, or excuse me, the aggregate download rate is limited by the aggregate upload rate. And because people have ADSL connections, there's a pretty big difference between what people are potentially capable of uploading and what they're potentially right. capable of downloading. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, in terms of people uh, leaving uh, right after they finish downloads, that makes some difference, but not a huge difference. And if you look at how things become available over time, typically once a file has been out for a while, you can get great speeds in downloading uh, almost no matter what. So typically the performance things that people really notice are when a file first becomes available and there what you're running into is the difference between the aggregate potential upload rate and the aggregate potential download rate. And obviously you can't do anything about that fundamentally. <laughs> you can't right. pull bits out of the air. <laughs> Have I know you recently hacked in some support for... Um just pulling a file straight from a web server? I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. One of the recent patches to BitTorrent. Uh-huh. Um, do, you, do you think that will help with the, 
you know, the initial speeds when, when people are trying to upload, you know, you can see it around other web servers perhaps. Might be an easier way to get it going faster. It it makes it somewhat easier to, to host something because you can just put things on a website instead of using a seeder of your own. Uh, this It wasn't done several years ago because in order to do it, you need to use range requests and very few things supported range requests properly a few years ago, but that's right. been Right, that's fixed. part of the HTTP 1.1 protocol, isn't it? Yeah, just because something is an HTTP 1.1 spec doesn't mean it's actually implemented properly Support everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there are range requests now, and they are widely supported. Uh, so we put in uh, support for that. Uh, however, if you are hosting something that way and a whole bunch of people jump on it, your HTTP server... Uh, first of all, won't, will be limited to its own actual performance in terms of uploading, and second of all, to the extent that you get charged for bandwidth on your HTTP server, there aren't going to be any particular um, Savings. limits on how quickly yeah. it's uploading, so you might get hit with, socked with a pretty big bill. So yeah. kind of the ideal solution is to have a seeding infrastructure that's intelligent about how much uploading it does. Okay. Have you guys talked to Apple at all about including BitTorrent in iTunes? They're the the number one podcast downloading tool right now, and uh, they're being the biggest. They they don't support BitTorrent. Some of the other ones do, but you know it's it's a frustration when you're trying to get files out there for a mass of people to listen to. As I think you know, Twitch talked about. Uh, we've never mentioned it, but it's a problem we're kind of working on right now. Uh, we, we've talked to all kinds of partners about them using BitTorrent. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head about talking to Apple about iPod uh, song distribution specifically. Uh, music files tend to get less benefit from things like BitTorrent because the files are so small just to begin with. So when people are paying a buck to download a song, the cost of and the song is a couple of megabytes, the cost of distribution for that, the cost of the bandwidth is a fraction of a penny. So <laughs> whoever's hosting it can easily uh, afford the uh, bandwidth cost of distributing it at, at that price point. Yeah, but with podcasts, it ends up being, you know, our show on average is anywhere between 20 and 30 megs, even at 64 kilobits mono. Yeah, with podcasts, it can get fairly significant, especially when it's free. And with uh, video uh, distributions, it, it can yeah. get far worse than that. So, yes, using BitTorrent yeah. for those makes perfect sense. Yeah. Just be nice if Apple would include that in there. <laughs> so, Steve Jobs, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway. Besides... Warner Brothers, is there any other super secret commercial stuff that you're working on right now with BitTorrent? Uh, we're, we're talking to all the major uh, studios right now, and uh, we're going, and a whole lot of indies as well. And uh, we have uh, some other products in the pipeline, which will be announced soon. Awesome. Do you guys, I mean, are you getting any pushback from the MPAA uh, about the, the use of this technology? Or do they seem to be backing off because you guys can, you're delivering the DRM with the, uh, with the files? Well, in, we're working with the MPAA in terms of making it so that uh, you can't, uh, 
in terms of removing uh, copyright infringing material uh, that's currently indexed by our search engine, and we're doing a pretty good job oh, of that. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, looking forwards, making sure that we aren't uh, hosting anything infringing. And you know, if if you're if you're willing to work with them, then then they're perfectly happy to work with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so actually, um, you guys do have that search engine. Do you get any pushback from you know TV networks about their their shows getting getting into your search engine? Yeah, we have quite a bit of uh, active removal of uh, infringing content from the index happening. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the first things that uh, kind of drew me to BitTorrent. Yeah, if we were to refuse to do that, we would probably be in heaps of legal trouble. <laughs> you'd, you'd go the way of Kazar Morpheus. <laughs> so, you know, we come to this part of the show, you know, every time we ask our guests, do you have any super secret plans that you just want to reveal right here on the Web 2.0 show? <laughs> uh... Uh, um, uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm growing a bunch of alligators on a farm. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to release them all in That's going to be the slash dot headline. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm afraid I'm not as, uh, as cool as Justin Frankel, who's got an alpaca farm, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Llamas. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show, Bram. Ah, right, sure thing. This has been a Steel Pixel production. For more information about Steel Pixel, you can check out steelpixel.com. Or for more information about the show, feel free to check out web20show.com. That's web20show.com. We have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, really. <laughs> we're like, uh, really. I think this is it. We haven't tried this out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>